Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Get the applicants you need faster and for free at LinkedIn Jobs. On today's episode, we're going to talk Texas and Kansas State. But first, I want to say quick congratulations to the Houston Astros. I will be at the parade today. Most of, if not all of you know, I am a Houston resident and um, off today, so I will be at the parade having a grand old time. You know, I wasn't at the 2017 parade, so I can't take the one today for granted. They may never win another one again, so I'm going to be at the parade partying like it's the last one for sure. And then Texas men's basketball starts tonight. Really excited for the season. A lot of analysts feel like this is a team that can compete for a national championship, and I just love what uh, Chris Beard has done at the 40, um, with the culture he's brought in, the type of personnel he's brought in. I love what Vic Schaefer's doing with the women's basketball team has a really good shot this year uh, to get past the Elite Eight or Final Four. I can't remember where they ended up off the top of my head. I'm sorry. But um, some really good basketball being played at the 40 this year, and I'm excited starting tonight with the men's basketball team against UTEP. Kansas State, Texas. I thought this was a huge win for Texas on Saturday because, one, you had to overcome two big psychological roadblocks to get it, right? And and one of those was winning on the road, and two was holding on to a double-digit lead. I'll start with winning on the road. This was a huge game because Texas and well, Sark in his Texas tenure was one in six in true road games in their last five true road games, including two earlier this year. Texas had lost those games. And so it starts to seep in. It starts to be psychological. Can we win in these type of environments? And they were able to pull out a, a tough win, a must win on the road in Manhattan, a very tough place to play. And so I think it's a great win in that regard. Two is holding on to a double digit lead. Everybody that's been on this team has experienced it but if you've been on the team since the beginning of the steve sarkeesian era you've been a part of seven blown halftime leads and five blown double digit leads in 20 games that's a lot right and so that begins to become psychological there's a reason that there's some teams that are outstanding in one score games because they remain cool calm and collected they understand that they've been there before and they understand that more times than not they've came out victorious in that scenario and so they don't panic they just continue to execute and take care of business Texas was more on the other side of that or the team that gets in those scenarios. They haven't won a lot of them. They have that muscle memory of clamming up. And typically they do historically and in the Sark era, they've clammed up in those type of games. But on Saturday, although, you know, they had a 21 point lead at halftime, they ended up you know coming down to seven. They got out of there with the win and they took care of business. And so I think in games like that, especially with Texas's track record under Sark, you have to prove to yourself that you can win those games. Even when you go up by 21 points at halftime, even when you seem like you're in control of a game on the road, because we saw Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, Texas has struggled playing 60 minutes of football. They were able to get out of Manhattan, Kansas after playing 60 minutes of football and coming out of there with the win. And so you have to be proud of that. And then now what you've earned with a little help from the state of Kansas is Oklahoma State lost to Kansas after losing to Kansas State the week before after already losing to TCU. So now an Oklahoma State game, I mean, Oklahoma State team that was ahead of you in the rankings is now below you. Now you control your own destiny to the Big 12 championship once again. The only two teams that are, well, TCU is above you and you're tied with Baylor, but you still have to play TCU and Baylor. And then you have to play Kansas as well. If you win all three of those games, you will be in the Big 12 championship game on December 3rd. So beating Kansas State on the road and a little help from Kansas and Kansas State beating Oklahoma State in the last two weeks gives you the opportunity to win out and be in the Big 12 championship game. This is everything you can ask for 75% through the season. 
And not only do you have the opportunity to win out and be in the Big 12 championship, but I think that you get the opportunity to prove that this Texas team belongs. You get the opportunity to prove that they have turned the corner with the number four team in the country coming into DKR in Austin, Texas on Saturday. To me, it's so much more sweet that Texas has to prove themselves against an undefeated team with college game day coming, all the distractions coming, and Texas being favored by a touchdown. They have to go out and beat one of the best teams in the country to get to the Big 12 championship game. To me, it would mean a lot less if we looked at the rest of the schedule and they had Iowa State, West Virginia, and Oklahoma on. It would be like, okay, we expect Texas to win those three games. We got lucky. The schedule is at the end. But there's a lot of people that still have questions about this Texas team that they didn't necessarily answer against Kansas State. There's a lot of people that still have questions about Sark that I don't think he could have fully answered against Kansas State. And so now you have even a bigger test against TCU. But when you win that, you can say Sark now has a signature win. This team is showing the consistency we thought we would see after the Alabama game. You have the opportunity to show up and show out against a TCU team that has not lost this year. Pressure is a privilege. And now you have the privilege to be under pressure against TCU on Saturday. Because if you lost to Kansas State, this TCU game wouldn't matter at all. TCU has to win this game to get into the college football playoff. And Texas has to win this game to get into the Big 12 championship. It's going to be fireworks on Saturday in DKR, and I can't believe I'm going to be there as well. I get to watch a World Series championship parade and Texas TCU in DKR on Saturday with college game day in the same week. Pinch me, I'm dreaming. Let's talk about what actually happened on the field, though, right? And I thought the offensive keys were, and this is something I just coincidentally not, talked about like three or four times last week. They stuck with the run, and they let Bijan and Roshan Johnson carry us while Quinn Ewers complimented them. It was something that started to become painfully obvious to me over the season, and we missed three games of Quinn Ewers, so we necessarily didn't get to see it. But after the Oklahoma game, I thought Iowa State and Oklahoma State were a little underwhelming for Quinn Ewers, and I don't think that he was necessarily just let off the leash uh, against Kansas State, but it was more of the same. It was a average to good quarterback performance it wasn't the flashes of elite we saw against Alabama and Oklahoma but we know B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson are elite and I asked the question or posed the question and Texas Homer said the same thing and Nash said the same thing and Steven Ngati from Fanatic Perspective said shades of the same thing why are we not running the ball more and allowing Quinn Ewers to compliment our running backs at this stage of his career rather than allowing our running backs to compliment Quinn Ewers. And I think in the Kansas State game, Sark allowed our running backs to carry us while Quinn Ewers complimented them. So Quinn Ewers had 31 passing attempts. B. John Robinson had 30 carries by himself. All right, and I told you that coming into the game, Texas had a 52% pass, 48% run split. But against Kansas State, That was a 56% run split, 44% pass. And I feel like that's been the formula for Texas all along. You saw B. John Robinson, 209 rushing yards, 120 yards after contact, eight missed tackles. I think he was like seven or eight yards for breaking his 
uh, personal rushing record at the University of Texas, which Sark should have let him get. They dominated with the run game, and at times where it didn't work, they kept coming back to it, and they ran it in a variety of ways, whether it was to the left, down the middle, to the right, inside zone, outside zone, you know, counters, different types of runs, different types of personnel, whether they were running out of 12, running out of the jumbo package with Andre Kirich at, you know, tight end. They said, we're going to run this ball down your throat. We're going to continue to run it. We're going to impose our will. And for the most part, they did it really effectively. And not only did they have the big runs, the big 60-yard run with Bijan, the big, you know, 30-yard run, even though he fumbled on it, with Roshan Johnson, they continued to pick up the the threes and the fours that move, you know, the chains as well. And um, what I liked was a lot of times in the run game, we'll see a two-yard run, a three-yard run, and then we'll say, oh, it's not working. You know, let's get away from it. You have B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson. You have to continue to tote that peel and wear down opposing defenses, regardless of how the box looks sometimes. And there was a few times where there was eight, nine in the box, and Sark said, we're still going to run it. And you came out of Manhattan with a victory. So I thought that that was really important, you know, that you allow Bijan and, and Roshan to carry us. And understand that although Quinn is uber talented, he's still young, you know, and the best antidote for a young, you know, first-time starting quarterback in college is an elite running game. And Texas has an elite running game. And I thought for the first time since the beginning of the season, they flexed that for 60 minutes. Once again, 56% run split, 44% pass split. I think if Texas wants to win their next three games and get to the Big 12 championship game, I think we need to stay around that 55% run number, 45% pass number. And I thought Quinn Ewers played well within his circumstances. First of all, he did not turn the ball over, which is key. You know, he talked about a young quarterback having an elite run game. He had that in B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson. And so the next step for a young quarterback is to not turn the ball over, play within the system, play within the offense. And I thought he did that really well. He also did not get sacked at all, but he was under constant pressure. So he did not turn the ball over. You know, it's easy to, to fumble and get hit in, in those scenarios. He did not turn the ball over. He did not get sacked. So he evaded pressure every time and he got the ball out of his hands. Um, and he just continuously made plays when he needed to. You know, like I said, Bijan and, and Roshan carried us to victory. But like we didn't see in the Oklahoma State game, when the plays were there, Quinn Ewers made them. And then he executed, executed the game plan really well on the road. We kind of saw the gunslinger game plan against Oklahoma State. And I'm not sure if, you know, Quinn Ewers just went rogue or that's what Sark was calling. But I thought, and this has been a criticism of Sark, is that he focused so much on the deep shots that just weren't there against Oklahoma State. And he couldn't adjust to give Quinn Ewers some layups, you know, to hit underneath. I thought in this game uh, against Kansas State, there were a lot more layups for Quinn Ewers. And I definitely thought that he hit those layups. And then John Garcia came on the show and talked about not only just making the passes, but running and executing this offense. There's so much misdirection in this offense, so many smokes and, and, and bells and whistles and turning around and, and throwing the ball and fake handoffs and hiding the ball. There's just so much ball handling and and kind of simple trickeration, right, that, that goes on in a Sar Steve Sarkeesian offense. And that puts a lot of pressure on a, on a young quarterback that's constantly under pressure on the road to make sure that you're, you know, cleanly handling the ball, cleanly, you know, running those fakes, selling those fakes and all of that. And I thought he did a really good job as well. So that's something we don't talk about enough, just his poise and his ability to run that Steve Sarkeesian offense almost to perfection. I know they had some second-half struggles, but – we got, you know, we got to stop complaining about this team scoring 34 points. They could score more, but they're putting up 34 points on days where they feel like they're leaving some meat on the bone. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. So, I, yeah, I, we can nitpick, but I thought the offense had a good performance. And then 
we haven't had an opportunity really to see if Quinn Ewers had resolve, if Quinn Ewers was resilient. This was really the first opportunity that we had to see what Quinn Ewers was made of. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that probably was the worst game of his career. I mean, I don't think he ever played a game like that in high school, peewee, or, you know, and he hadn't played a game like that in college up until this point. So that's probably the worst game of his career. So how would he bounce back? And like I said, he didn't come out and throw for 300 yards. He didn't come out and throw for five touchdowns. But he came out and played well within the offense, did what Sark asked him to do, and got a tough win against a ranked team on the road in Manhattan, Kansas. And so that's all you can ask for. Um, and, and like I said, Quinn Ewers wasn't sexy on Saturday, but he did everything that the Longhorns needed to do to win while B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson carried us. Quinn Ewers made the plays that he needed to make while they were there. And that's a big reason why Texas controls their own destiny now with three games left on their schedule. And then from a playmaker perspective, JT Sanders was involved, right? Use your mismatches. That's a mismatch that Texas has every week. And we pick and choose when we want to use it. I'm not sure, you know, why Sark does that. But, you know, that's been the reality through nine games. But on Saturday, they utilized JT Sanders and he led the team in uh, catches and yards, right? And, and he has the ability to do that almost every week because, like I said, he's constantly a mismatch, whether you put him on a linebacker or a safety. And we have to get more consistent at using our mismatches. B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, those are mismatches. We need to use them more. JT Sanders, that's a mismatch. We need to use them more. Xavier Worthy, who has been targeted more than enough, right? I thought he had two elite routes for touchdowns. And I thought he had a great game, right? We, there's been some times where, you know, Xavier Worthy may have had more yards than he had on Saturday, but there's some bad body language, drops, things like that. I thought his body language was excellent. He only had four catches for 42 yards, but it had a huge impact on the game. I went and looked at the box score and I was like, he only had 42 yards because I felt like all four catches were just huge in huge spots, especially uh, the two catches for touchdowns were just elite routes. One of those on man coverage and then one of those where he just kind of danced in the zone and, and, and got wide open. And then I would love for Jordan Whittington to get more than two catches, but nobody outside of Xavier Worthy and JT Sanders had more than two catches. And so he got involved. I, I would like to see him get a few more catches, but he was targeted uh, a few more than two times. Savion Red had two catches as well. Tariq Milton, I, I saw him get a few snaps. And so um, a third wide receiver is, is something we've been screaming for or even using JT Sanders and Jordan Whittington a little more consistently definitely did that with Sanders Jordan Whittington got you know a few more targets I would like to see that turn into actual production and then we saw Savion Red come in and kind of be that third receiver with two short catches that went for 20 plus yards and so um, it was good for Sark to utilize another weapon and, and give the defense something else to account for and then of course uh, Jaleel Bentley is back as well. And then the offensive miscues, yes, they only scored three points in the second half for the second week in a row. If you look at the box score, it looks eerily similar to Oklahoma State. The difference is you come out with a win in this game. The reason I'm not going to jump on the offense the way I would have or did after the Oklahoma State game is because, one, you had a Roshan fumble in the red zone. So that either gives you, what, 37 points or 41 points, right? You have Worthy fumbled on the first possession of the second half. I'm not sure. They were on their side of the ball, so I'm not sure they would have went on to get points, but looked like they were moving in that direction. So that's another three to seven points that you missed out on right there. And then you have four false starts in the second half. And so to me, those are things that took at least 10 points off the board. If you score another 10 points or, or even seven points, you're not talking about a close game at the end, and you're not necessarily talking about – um, you know, second half miscues, you know, because I think a, a 10 points in the second half goes a long way 
to making that that score and changing that narrative than three points does. So I thought the offensive miscues were more about two uncharacteristic fumbles and a lot of penalties, especially on the offensive side. I mean, 20 yards of, of penalties and I think, what, three real offensive drives because one of them was just a kneel at the end. So I think three or, or four real offensive drives, that's a lot, right? That's, that's pushing you back a lot, putting you behind the chains a lot. And I thought that was the biggest reason why they weren't able to score more than three points in the second half. And, you know, thankfully you just need a little bit of luck sometimes to, to win these football games. And three points wasn't enough last week against Oklahoma State or two weeks ago. It was enough this week against Kansas State. Now it's time to move on to TCU. After a quick word from our sponsors, we're going to talk about this defense and then what this win means for Sark moving forward and what he has a chance to do in his second year as the head coach at the University of Texas. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps to helps find the right people for your team faster and for free post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply betonline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season find all of the latest player developments team matchups news podcasts and in-depth analysis on every game and as always bet online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events including mlb mma boxing and golf head to the website today here's your mobile device to learn more bet online where the game starts i continue to be extremely impressed with this defense and i think it all starts up front with this run defense with them big boys up in the middle uh you know keandre coburn savandre sweat byron murphy and then you got the moral ojimos the baron surreals justice finkley's man that are really flying on that side of the ball and have shown so much improvement. This defense we talked about just being halfway, just being middle of the pack, like I said, is is top 30 in a lot of metrics. And this is a Kansas State team that had just scored, albeit with a different quarterback, you know, 48 points. And, and you and you hold them to 21 points less than that, three touchdowns less than that. So um, really great performance by this Texas defense once again. And um, you know, it starts with the run defense and they held Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez to 125 yards combined rushing. If you watch a lot of college football, you'll be like, that's crazy. If you don't, you'll be like 125 is a lot for context. Adrian Martinez had 148 yards by himself against Oklahoma. Texas held Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez to 125 combined. Adrian Martinez had 148 by himself against Oklahoma. And I feel like they took Kansas State out of their offense which is what you would want to do. So when you looked at it, I went and looked at all of Kansas State's games, and on average, Adrian Martinez was only throwing the ball about six to eight times more than he was running the ball in a game. So if he was running the ball 14 times in a game, he was only throwing it about 20 to 22 times. That's Kansas State's offense, right? They want him to you know, run the ball almost as much as he throws it, and then you let Deuce Vaughn do the rest. There was one game where the discrepancy was 18. Coincidentally, that's a game that they lost. He threw the ball 18 more times than he ran against Tulane, and they lost that game. On Saturday, it was the biggest discrepancy of the season. There's no coincidence that Kansas State lost that game again as well. Texas took Kansas State out of their offense, and they made Adrian Martinez throw the ball 22 more times than he ran it. Once again, that was his biggest discrepancy of the season. His two biggest discrepancies of the season 
were 18 and 22 in Tulane in the Texas game. Both losses for Kansas State. You took Kansas State out of their offense. Coming into the game, they were running the ball almost 60% of the time. Like I said, they want to run the ball, limit mistakes, and then, you know, let Adrian Martinez kind of sprinkle in a pass here and there. But they're very, with their play calling, they're, they're very intentional about not letting Adrian Martinez lose the game. Coming into the game, Kansas State was running the ball 60% of the time. On Saturday, 51% pass, 49% run. You took Kansas State out of their offense. If I came into the game telling Kansas State fans, Adrian Martinez was going to throw the ball 36 times and he was going to run the ball 14 times, they would have been concerned. And that's what you had to do. You couldn't allow you know, them to run the ball 60% of the time because if they were able to run the ball 60% of the time, that kind of means that they probably were winning and running out the clock and putting this Texas defense in a bind, right? And that's not what happened. You know, we forced Adrian Martinez to pass. No disrespect, but you'll take that 10 times out of 10. That's what you want. We forced Adrian Martinez to throw the ball 36 times. That's a big reason why they got the uh, the win on Saturday. And then Deuce Vaughn is a hell of a playmaker. And if you just looked at the box score, you would say Deuce Vaughn went off. And I guess statistically he did. But to me, it's kind of like B. John Robinson. Like Deuce Vaughn is just that player that's going to get his numbers, right? He's going to get his yards. But what impact did he have on the game? He scored a touchdown. But I didn't feel like Deuce Vaughn broke us. Like, I didn't feel like they let Deuce Vaughn break us. One, I think half his yards came. He had 26 touches for 159 yards. So, I mean, that's still six yards a touch. That's pretty good. But he averaged less than four yards a carry. And, and most of those touches came on the ground. So he had a couple of explosive plays in the passing game. But the majority of the time that you were handing him the ball, on average, it went for less than four yards. And so they did a really good job of not letting one of the most explosive playma playmakers in the country beat them. Probably, you know, if you're not just talking about size, you're just talking about heart and production on the field, a top five uh, running back in the country for sure. And they limited him. And Adrian Martinez is one of the best running quarterbacks in, in college football. And they limited them, holding both of them to less than four yards of carry, a big reason why they pulled out the win um, on Saturday. And then you forced two turnovers. You know, they didn't win the turnover battle because Texas turned the ball over twice with, you know, two fumbles that were very uncharacteristic. But you forced two turnovers to at least break even in the turnover battle. And that's a big reason why you won on Saturday, you know, and this is a Texas team that struggled to, to force turnovers earlier in the season. And now we're seeing them do that at a more consistent rate. And that's how you're going to have to win uh, these close games that really come down to the margins It is by turnovers. And you got a turnover at the end to seal it, you know, picking up that fumble. Adrian Martinez, you got a few more fumbles uh, that you didn't pick up. And then, of course, you had, uh, you know, Adrian Martinez throwing the ball too much, making that one, you know, probably two mistakes he's kind of guaranteed to make, you know, just throwing the ball up to, to Jalen Ford and in the zone covers that he simply did not see. So that goes a long way into uh, winning those games. You know, if there's some defensive miscues, there, there's still at times, um, you know, some zone coverage bust that I think happened. I think as we continue to say, you know, not sure why, you know, so many substitutions are being made, but a lot of times I saw that, I know there were some players unavailable in the secondary, but a lot of times when when those type of plays happen, it's, you know, our backups in the game um, and, and substitutions being made and, and just some some zone coverage bust and, and different things that one didn't cost you on Saturday and two, they've been happening all season. Like the second half offensive miscues at this point and, and the zone coverage bust and not getting off the field on third down was another thing that Texas still dealt with a little bit on Saturday. These are things that have been happening all year, right? These are the things that have been happening through nine games. So at this point, that's just who Texas is. And they're going to have to find a way to overcome it every week, right? Their second half offense, their inability to get off the field on third down on defense, and then 
you know, their zone coverage bust at times. That's just who Texas is at this point through through nine games, right? And so, like I said, I understand that. It happened again. It reared his head. But this time he found a way to come out of a game with a win. And you're going to have to find a way to continue uh, to overcome these things over the next three games to make the Big 12 championship. So, um, overall, uh, a really good win. And what this means for Sark is now he has a chance to get his first signature win. I thought Oklahoma would have been a signature win for Sark. But the way that they came out in that game, 49 to zero, not having their starter, not even putting out a competent game plan on offense or defense. You can't call that a signature win. And then Oklahoma State would would have given Sark a chance to have a signature win. And we saw what happened in that game. But Kansas State, you know, that's the closest thing Sark is going to get to a signature win. But I'm still going to reserve my judgment on that because I know for a fact if he beats TCU, that'll be a signature win. Like I said, that is a top four team. Coming into DKR on Saturday, that is an undefeated team coming into DKR on Saturday. Regardless of what we thought at the beginning of the season, currently TCU is the class of our conference, and they're coming into DKR on Saturday. Getting too excited. <laughs> they're the class of our conference coming into DKR on Saturday. And because Tennessee, Clemson, and Alabama all lost on Saturday, it looks like TCU controls their own destiny to getting into the college football playoff. If TCU goes undefeated through the remainder of the season and wins the Big 12 championship game, there's no reason why the committee should keep them out of the college football playoff. And so you have a team that comes in and, and is hungry. You have a team that's coming in and needs to win this game because they have national championship aspirations. And while Texas is just trying to make the Big 12 championship game, this is a game that neither team can afford to lose. So the pressure is on both teams. TCU can't afford to lose this game and Texas can't afford to lose this game. And like I said, pressure is a privilege because now the pressure is on Texas. It may be more pressure on TCU, but the pressure is on Texas to win a big game in your home stadium. A team that is the class of the conference, a team that has national championship, a college football playoff aspirations at this point through nine games. It's your job to effectively end their season. Not in their season. They'll still have games to play, but none of them will mean the same. The, the committee's just waiting on TCU to lose one game so they have a reason to, to let them out. You have to end their season on Saturday, Sark. You have to get your first signature win as the coaches at the University of Texas. And that starts with ruining the hopes and dreams of the TCU Horn Frogs and making sure that if you have anything to do with it, they do not make the college football playoff this year. And I talked about changing the trajectory of the program, Sark. Before you came, seven and three. Last year, five and seven. After the Oklahoma State, five and three looked like same old, same old. With a little help from the state of Kansas and you beating Kansas State, you now control your own destiny to get to the Big 12 championship game. Like I said, there's still a lot of question marks about this Texas team. And there's still a lot of question marks about Steve Sarkeesian. But you can go a long way to answering those questions with the win against TCU on Saturday. If Texas makes it to the Big 12 championship game, we can say that Sark has changed the trajectory of the program. Starts with taking care of business against TCU on Saturday. And whether Texas is favored by seven points or not, this is the biggest game thus far in the Steve Sarkeesian era. And in my opinion, if we're talking about Texas taking the next step and Sark being the right coach for the future, this is a must win. Hook them. Peace.